Everything's a podcast. Everything can be a podcast topic. Everything's a podcast. If you just believe. Hmm. I mean, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. I thought you were going to say, like, something like, our podcast is awesome. All podcasts are awesome. Every everything is a podcast but i guess that's what you did right everything's a yeah. podcast well you know it's funny because originally i was going to do a spoken bit i was going to do emmett's speech at the end but i almost can't get through that without getting a little worked up yeah so i decided to audible and i thought about that bit from the song where they're just listing off things and i'm right. like yeah anything can be a podcast topic if you commit yeah but then i didn't do that part because if you think i can't sing i really can't rap <laughs> well and, you I know america you deserves a, well america doesn't deserve that much better but it deserves a little better right <laughs> welcome to another tunes everyone i'm carter and i'm sydney I'm just gonna come out and say that, like I, I, like I am, I am off the leash today, guys. Like this, this is one of the big ones for yours truly here. Yes, today we have an episode brought to you by our patrons. Um, it's time to plug the Patreon. Woo! Woo! Um, if you are a Patreon subscriber for only three dollars a month, you can vote on episode topics that we cover on the show. So if that's something you're interested in, please go to patreon.com slash Disney desk and subscribe for just $3 a month. And you can participate in this thing. And at the, the, the last episode of every month will be an episode chosen by you as well as a bunch of other, um, content that we post to Patreon. There's a lot of cool perks, um, that go into supporting the Patreon so thank you to our current patrons for um, supporting the channel or the podcast rather, and um, and for helping us pick this episode topic. Nice job, we love it. <laughs> I love just the energy. Like I told you going into this episode, I was going to be jittery and excited. Literally, as you're doing like the adult business of like, yes, yes, here is the Patreon, here's what you get. Mm-hmm. I'm literally just like moving Bouncing up and down, chair. like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, we are talking about the Lego movie. Ooh, yes. So yes. this is going to be technically in, in other tunes because this isn't really a Disney topic at all. Um, but we're excited to do it. Yes. It, but before we dive in, it is time for another rousing episode of. Internet Minute. All right, Sydney, hit me with yours this week. Okay, so um, this is something I sent to you the other day, and I don't even have, like, a real source for it. This is just, like, something that I have been seeing a lot online in, like, the last couple weeks. Um, mm-hmm. File this under cringe binge. Oh, Oh, yes, I just remembered what this is. <laughs> so there's this, like, unironic um, TikTok trend going on right now. Um, yes, I said unironic, meaning, like, people are very seriously doing this in public. Um, it's a trend that's, like, oh, my reaction to seeing the Cinderella castle 
after or for the first time slash after COVID or for the first time since COVID. So basically there are videos of people like on TikTok that they like have their eyes closed and they're they're in Magic Kingdom or something or like or Disneyland, whichever they're at. And um they're just in the middle of this theme park and they like are have their eyes closed or they have their back turned to it. And then, like, they kind of count down, three, two, one, and then they turn and they look at it. And then, like, they start crying. (laughs) They start crying, or and they, like, they start crying, like, tears of joy or something. And it's always captioned, like, my reaction seeing the castle for the first time. And these people are always wearing some kind of, like, ear... And sometimes it's, like, one person. Sometimes it's, like, two people. And and you know what I always say, Carter? It's, like, it's it's one thing to see someone doing something weird. It's another to see two people doing that same weird thing together. And some of right, these because- TikToks are with more than one person engaging in this thing. Because it's too many people to just be a wackadoo, but it's yeah. not enough people to be a cult. So it gets stuck in yeah. a really fr- confusing, unnerving middle ground. I could I could fathom a cult, right? But right. like a couple crying at the sight of the Cinderella castle. I told you this is completely unironic. Like people are behaving this way. And, you know, a running theme this year with the Disney desk has been a- about this idea of inner of what am I trying to say of Disney adults Disney adults how we you and I Sydney and Carter identify uh, as Disney adults what that means to us um and like this this is this is the worst of it right (sighs) help me out here (laughs) you know I there's a lot to unpack with this you know there is simply a lot to unpack with this uh-huh. And again, right. If this is like if our first if this is our first year as the Disney desk, I do feel like one of the big themes is buy into the magic. It's okay to like kiddish stuff. Like you know, as someone who was like forged in the fires of like the DC Flame Wars mm-hmm. about like the Dark Knight and Batman v Superman, like if there's one thing I took away from all of that is can we please just appreciate things that are for the whole family yeah. and not try to make them miserable. Right. Um, Follow-up question. Can you can you not see the castles from the entrance of the park? Thank I do you. not know the layout. Um, that's a valid question, which adds another layer of stupid, because of course you can. You can see it. Right, like, it's, I feel like the they were designed, designed to make it very clear. The park is designed the, for it to be visible. It's the thing. It's the thing. It's designed to be visible from, from anywhere on the property. You have to try, you have to, you, like, so these people are coming through the gates, like, either pretending that they're not seeing it, or trying to see it, or this is faked, like, this reaction is totally ingenuine. Which, it's almost sadder, because it's like, why would you fake this? Like, I can understand there's, like, a level, like, I can have a level of empathy toward, like, hey, if this means a lot to you and you couldn't have it for an indeterminate amount of time with no guarantee that you would ever be able to see it again, Mm -hmm. like, I can appreciate that. I mean, like, there's a lot of different stuff that I did, like... Yeah, everybody's had that. That I was like, yeah. But to fake that is just so shallow and, like, hollow and, like, to what 
end. Like, are you, are you making fun of Disney adults then? Yeah. Why? But at the same this? time, if it's if it's sincere, I'm just I don't know. Again, I'm trying. You know, my my therapist says I need to be a little less jaded. At like, it would behoove me to be a little less jaded at times and stop trying well, to get inside people's did heads. Did you let and her just know that you have a podcast? <laughs> have I? Because <laughs> it's kind of hard. No, not to no, be jaded. I've mentioned it. Yeah, no, I I think I've mentioned it, but like. I don't know. And it's also just because it's centered around the pandemic, which triggers me for a number of reasons, but particularly just like... But it's like not... I continue to maintain we're in a mass psychosis event and our refusal to acknowledge that's just making it worse. Not like some of them mention that it's like since COVID. Many of these are just like, this is my first time in the park ever. And I'm just crying at the sight of it. I just... Like only... I only saw one that mentioned COVID in the name. And, you know, I'm literally, like, punching my head because it's, like, honestly, when you, like, and I think I'd kind of heard about this before you showed me it, but it's so weird and so, like, what the hell is this that your brain almost <laughs> can't, like, form critical opinions, which is a problem when you're on a podcast. Right. But, right. like, it really is that thing of, like, you want to help the kid who's being bullied. Like, you know, it's not, we're getting back to that point where it's kind of not cool to, like, Disney again. Like, because mm-hmm. now it's, like, super... Because, for different reasons. Because, like, in the 90s, it was like, oh, you know, it's all princess stuff, which obviously is lame and gay. Right. And now it's like, oh, they own everything. They're not cool. And it's like, guys, I'm trying to, like, stand up for us here. Like, could you not, like, could you stop, like, why did you sing, why did you sing songs from Tarzan during the talent show? You knew what was (laughs) going to happen. You're... People warned you. Like, I'm trying to protect you here, but you're not giving me a lot of options. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's my internet minute today. We have no answers and, and more and more questions as we go. So, Carter, let's just leave that where it does is. Does that make us good journalists yep. or bad journalists? Oh. It makes us... Um, I think we're doing it right. Um, oh, fair enough. Okay, your internet minute, please. <laughs> Yes, so I inadvertently, and this was something I I had known at one point Disney had been courting the rights to Where the Wild Things Are, the famous children's book about a mischievous kid who travels off to a fantasy land where there are a bunch of wild animals that kind of teach him how to have manners and behave yourself because, you know, they're, you know they commit acts of ruckus and rompus. Right. Um, so in 1983, uh, John Lasseter and Glenn Keane, John Lasseter obviously being at the forefront of CGI technology, and Glenn Keane, one of the iconic Disney animators who I'm pretty sure I met. Where? And I would have to go back, NYU. They always had, there's a bunch of, I think you might have taught classes there, if I'm being honest. I'm, mm. I'm just very bad with names. Yeah, NYU like would always get Disney right. animators to come in. Oh, cool. Um, take a shot. I mentioned NYU. Um, oh, my God. Anywho. So there is test footage of basically them trying to do a Where the Wild Things Are that combined hand-drawn characters with a CGI environment. And I will say, it is a fascinating relic. I would have been very curious to see what a full film of this would be. But... Um, it just was not... I understand why Disney let the rights lapse and did not pursue this because the technology simply was not there to make this work for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. The CGI environments are all, like, textureless, and it looks very uncanny yeah. compared to the genuinely immaculate... Like, you know, really great character design of the characters. 
Right. And you're like, oh my God, this was supposed to be a full film? And I'm not... Yeah. You've seen the footage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you've talked, talked about, about it with it. me a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, without getting too much into the intricacies, it, it's my... When we went back and forth about, like, how do you fix this? Um, and it's just my opinion that this was done in the inverse, which is, like, if we're going to blend 2D and CGI, like we mentioned in the in the in the Patreon, um, the Hercules deep dive, subscribe to our Patreon. Mm. Um, <laughs> that um, the the backdrop really needs to remain in two D, and the CGI elements need to like kind of dance off of it. And this is somehow the inverse, where it's like the 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 environment is created in, in CGI, and the subject is two D. Um, yeah, it's just. There's a lot of reasons that's wrong, <laughs> but the like, it's it's in it's like mentally fatiguing to watch. It's a lot of input on the brain. Yeah, and I and didn't like, like it. You could make this. I you could make this work now, just because we've learned so much about how to texture CGI, mm, how to make too. it feel tangible. Because like the Hydra works because it's like you know the background is painterly. There's like a yeah. texture. You know, it makes sense. Your brain like understands. Because right. you've already seen hand-drawn... Like, in that movie, Hercules, the Hydra, and the backgrounds are all made of different stuff. Right. But the stuff interacts in a way that your brain understands. Mm-hmm. This just does not quite click. Mm-hmm. And I do love... I was able to find a quote from Lasseter at the time that he said, Yes, in five years, this test will be so primitive, it looks like Steamboat Willie does today. And I'm like... Well, you're not wrong. It looks primitive as hell. Right. Even compared to Toy Story that would come out, like, a decade later, it looks night and day. Um, but also, like, that does a really big disservice to Steamboat Willie, which is obviously not say. the most complex animation. But, again, that's the fundamental problem with an- CGI right. versus hand-drawn. Even the most cheap-ass hand-drawn animation can still look pretty good. because it's like I was like, don't bring Steamboat again, Willie into this. That stuff. works. Ouch. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's like, I don't know, hand-drawn is a lot easier to be timeless because CGI yeah. has gone through such a rapid evolution. Right. Um, it, it's, I don't, I don't think it's accurate. And again, yeah. like, I appreciate the company continuing to experiment with stuff, but yeah, there's there's a reason why this ended up getting booted off to Universal. Exactly. The uh, rights. Um, and that was Internet Minute. Back to your regular scheduled programming. The Lego Movie, a 2014 computer animated comedy film uh, created by Warner Brothers Animation Group with help from the Lego Company, uh, directed by directed and written by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you all may know for a wide assortment of projects, including, but not limited to, Clone High, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, 21 Jump Street, and Into the Spider-Verse. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, to start, what is your relationship with Lego? I actually don't really know, like, your relationship to the toy itself. Oh, I have a pretty standard relationship to the toy itself. Um, I remember having... Well, okay, that's weird. I remember playing with Legos, like, at school and, like, other places in terms of personally owning Legos. I remember 
having the like duplex like i i did have the big chunky like yes. pre-k versions of them yeah the but, Duplo. but then um i think i must have grown out of it and or or i just like never wanted like my own lego set as a child mm-hmm. um as i got to be a little older and, and just went down the barbie doll route um but i still remember like playing with them anytime they were presented to me if I was at someone else's house or at like school or camp or something like that um so but I certainly was not like a lego collector or or had like a personal lego set good question though what about you well see I think that's why this movie is so like it's one of you know my films because I was a big lego kid for a huge chunk even into high school honestly Mm. like Nine times out of ten, if I was asking for something for Christmas or my birthday, it would be a Lego set. Like, I would have an entire table in my basement dedicated to just the different sets and, like, cluttered bits and pieces. Mm. And, like, I was I was not a collector or, like, a customizer. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Lego people, it's like you either collect them just to have, like, a little diorama almost. Right. You, either, you have lot, just lots of bricks and blocks that you mix and match to make your own things. Or you're like a build the thing based on the instructions and then play with it, which is kind of where I fell. Yeah. Because for me, I was like, oh, it's like action figures, but like with fun, like I can do anything. With a journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, honestly, oh God, that's a stupid thing to say. It's kind of like Fortnite in the sense of like, it's kind of just a big, like, or even Funko Pop where it's like clean aesthetic. Everything has the same vibe and color palette and energy. But you also get all of these different brands and, like, scenarios that you can kind of smash together and do whatever you want with. Right, right. And growing up, I was also huge into the Lego video games. Because there was, like, the original ones that were, like, Lego Creator Knight's Kingdom or um, Lego Island, which was my favorite. Where it's just a big island where you went around and built stuff and then played mini games. And then, of course, Lego Star Wars which I don't know where you want to start with this movie, but honestly, I feel like those Lego Star Wars video games are hugely influential on the direction of this movie. That's interesting because, you know, you, you kind of walked me into a point that I wasn't going to make right out of the out of the jump here, but a point that I had in mm-hmm. my notes about, like, um, my perspective of, was it, of this film is it actually being, like, super detached from the other Lego content, content out there. Um, but because... But I didn't, to be fair, like, I I certainly didn't interact with the other Lego content as a fan. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Lego Star Wars or, like, Lego Harry Potter, I believe there was. Like, all these other sort of, like, Lego... Yeah, Harry Potter's kind of their big moneymaker. Yeah. Um, because it, I was like, okay, why does this feel, one like, you know, so different? But it's because... Um, it's, it's sort of exactly what you just talked about, about building something and then playing with it, um, is that these other Lego things like Star Wars and Harry Potter and stuff like that are about animating Legos into a fantasy within like a Lego mm-hmm. universe. But this is a film about imagining real life through gameplay or imagining real life through through toys, through, through toys. Yeah, right. I think there's a couple different points to bounce off of from there. I mean, the first is, I, like, the secret strength of this movie, above all else, is it's a movie about Lego's, like, existence as a toy. Right. It is not just taking the aesthetic and playing, doing a movie with it. Right. 
like, and again, everyone was so jaded before the trailer started dropping for this because it's like, yeah, you could easily see an emoji movie out of this. You could easily yeah, see like that sort of like, yeah, even an yeah, an Angry Birds where it's like, oh, you just have a brand, just paint, you know, paint, mm-hmm. uh, paint beat by beat movie with it, and right. that'll be fine. Get SNL actors um, to do it. See, I think the sneaky trick with the Lego movie is, you are right, it doesn't really connect that much with previous Lego media. Like, most of the official Lego movies that were made based off brands, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Jackson Action? I forget what he was called. I had a lot of his, Mm. like, Jack Action or something. Um, Or even, like, the Bionicle movies. The fact that they're made out of, like, plastic parts is completely incidental to the point where they don't really acknowledge it. Yes, exactly. Um, and more specifically, they don't move like the toys. Like, their joints are, they might as well, Free. they have effectively realistic human joints. They right. just happen to be yellow and kind of shiny. And have hook hands, um, yeah. Yeah, or, in, yeah, in the Bionicle case, oh. Well, no, see, in the Bionicle, they give them fingers so they can hold their weapons. Which is like, they well, that's do? not how a toy works. Yeah, it, it's, I kind of like those movies. I, the Bionicle, Bionicle, I could go down a whole rabbit hole about Bionicle and how that, like, really pulled the company out of a slump. And, wow. like, how dedicated that fan base is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lore is wild. I didn't even know the part at the end where it turns out the whole, like, world they live on is a Bionicle, which is kind of metal. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and even, like, the Lego Star Wars games. Like, obviously there's a building element in those. Like, the like gr- that fun little sound of, like, the pieces moving together mm-hmm. or, like, crack breaking. Like, they pulled that from those games. Mm. But, again, they, like, kind of move around and stuff. And I would say... What they get from all of those, especially the Lego, like, brand movie games, like the Harry Potter games, the Star Wars games, the, even the Pirates of the Caribbean game, is, like, uh, take a familiar story and make it, like, a slapstick comedy. Like, make it self-referential, make mm-hmm. it very, like, Looney Tunes in its sort of, like, wackiness. But then, in terms of aesthetically and, like, how the movie moves, it takes a lot from, like, fan films. Yeah. Like, like, there is a huge history, and I'm not going to go into all of it, because honestly, I kind of like not knowing as much about how this film was made as, like, other things, because mm-hmm. this is almost like a precious object to me that just exists. Right. But, like, the earliest Lego fan film was in 1973. It was, like, a Danish film called wow. Journey to the Moon. And, like, Lego was so tickled by it, they, like, invited the kids <laughs> to go around the studio, like, the Lego factory. Um, there was a really famous case in like the not like late eighties. Um, someone made a animated film called the magic portal that he was like submitting to film festivals. And at first Lego was cool with it, but then they hit him with a cease and desist. Wow. Um, cause they were just like, Oh, what about the legality to our copyright? Right. Um, and ultimately like did eventually Lego like leaned into it. Uh, honestly, my favorite set was a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man set, uh, with the green goblin at like the daily bugle. And, or maybe it wasn't the Daily Bugle, maybe it's a random building. Anyway, so they made a brand called Lego Studios. And the idea was, like, all of the Lego characters had a little harness on their back. They could put a clear, like, stick on and basically do little stop motion films. Mm -hmm. Like, you could buy the camera, you could buy a computer program that would teach you, like, frame-by-frame animation. Mm -hmm. And, like, they leaned into it. And, like, the animators of this movie are pretty candid about, like, that is the that is what we wanted this to look like. Right. Like, we wanted it to look like a bunch of kids made a big movie with Legos. Right. And, like, it's so... I, that, I just... This, I think it succeeds. I was... Oh, yeah. I was really worried about coming back to this movie because it has been a while since I've watched it all the way through. And it's like, is it going to have the same magic? And we haven't talked about because we, we usually when we review like a movie, it's like 
when's the first time you saw it? Like, what's your relationship to the movie? Like, we haven't talked about that yet. Oh. When's the first time you, oh, do you yeah, remember yeah. seeing this for the first time? Oh, yes. I completely remember. It was opening weekend. Um, it was in February. And I'd been hyped. Like, I was locked in. I'm like, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be great. This is, like, exactly what I would have imagined a Lego movie to be. Um, and I was in a theater with all kids. And I'm like, I don't care that I look weird. I don't care <laughs> that they probably, like, have someone watching me. I'm getting through this movie. I bawled my eyes out at the ending. I just remember, like, and I just remember, the two big, like, core memories for me is, like, obviously, they have the little opening where we establish, like, the craggle and the main villain and the prophecy, and that's good. But the movie really starts when we're just on a yellow face, pair of closed eyes, and suddenly they start blinking and moving. Mm. And then that whole section where we're just following our main character through the start of his day... like, that's one of those core memories where, you're like, a movie... Every now and then you have a movie moment where you're, like, the first, like, five minutes of this have made me fall in love with it already. And I, I was just yeah. in my chair, like, shaking with excitement, where I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like... This is a thing. Yeah. This is something special. Right. Yeah, I have a whole section in my notes devoted to the opening sequence of this movie. But, right. um... When so- did you see it? Were we talking yet? Because that was February 2014. It would have been around the time we met, but I don't know if we'd met yet. I don't know. Um, I can't remember if we knew each other yet, but I was on, like, a... The more you talk, I'm just like, did we see this on the same day? Like, we... Um, I was on, like, a weird Valentine's Day date, and with, like, a friend of mine, and it was Valentine's Day, and we saw this in a packed theater... Um, yeah. Could we have been there at the same time? <laughs> Not. There's. Were you at the further theater or the closer one? The I don't closer talk one. Oh, maybe. Honestly, maybe. Well, no, because I was dating Jill at the time. We probably oh. had plans for Valentine's Day, so it probably wasn't. I can't remember if this opened on Valentine's Day or not, or if it just opened in February. February 7th, the oh, week before Valentine's okay. Day. And then we saw Lego Batman together. I remember we got drinks because the further away theater yeah. finally had gotten a bar, and I had that a headache a the entire time. I was because falling that was a asleep. Very loud movie. I was falling asleep because of because I had an overpriced sangria at the further away theater. Yeah, this was like right. them being like, "Yeah, we have a bar now," and I'm like, "Okay, if you say so." And I drank something blue, and I was just yeah. like, "Ow, yeah, Ow. please make the film ten percent quieter." Right. Um. Okay. Yeah. So let's actually dive into this opening sequence because um i love a good opening sequence of a film especially when it's done perfectly and i love talking about why they're so important and uh why this one works so well like right if this one's this one is i think a, a perfect way um to deliver all of the ex because like that's the challenge of of writing a film specifically an opening sequence that, like, you're responsible for delivering the correct information to your audience and doing it silently. You kind of need to teach the... You need to teach the audience everything they need to know within yes. the first 10 to 15 minutes, or you're going to lose them. It, precisely. And so this this succeeds in doing a bunch of different things. The first thing I have is it, it's, it perfectly establishes the comedic tone. Um, yeah. At first glance... The beginning part with... Oh, I'm so bad at character names. Who's Morgan Freeman's character's name? What's his name? Vitruvius. Yeah. Him and Lord Business. Uh, yes. At first glance, this scene may feel 
like it serves minimal purpose because it doesn't deliver that much lore. It kind of delivers lore, but then upon watching it this time, I'm like, oh no, this is the introduction to the comedic tone. Like, this is the tone of the film. Right. This is this is the energy that we're coming with, and people need to, like, see this up front and, like, yeah. be able to buy into the fantasy of what we're talking about, as well as get on board with, like, the kind of jokes we're about to set up here. It also... <laughs> um, I, I kind of appreciate that it kind of sets up, like, the rules of animation. It, it sets up its own rules of, like, how the, what, what are the physics in this world? Um, right. <laughs> that is where like, you get... Like, pretty quickly they establish, no, right away, it is all Lego. Yeah. This isn't an animated film that, film that stars Legos. Like, yeah. the explosions, the lasers, mm-hmm. literally Vitruvius picks up bricks and morphs them into birds. Right. And throws, like, uses them as weapons. It's like... No, this is a Lego movie. Right. And they. I love when they... Um, I'm being blown away and still watching this this time. When they we have this, like, close-up of his face and you can see the texture of, like, mm-hmm. a used toy. Like, he looks like a played-with toy. All of them do. All of them have this, like, sort of beaten-up, scratched texture to them. Um, right. And then the part where Lord Business, like, kicks him off the ledge and he just kind of, like, flings off. Like, ah, there's, yeah. yeah, and he's like, ah, like, yeah. There's, um, I love that they're like, okay, you need to understand that these are toys and they kind of, they behave like toys. And all of their physics are, are toy physics. It's something we've talked about with, like, the SpongeBob musical, where it does such a good job of explaining right away, this is play. These mm-hmm. are children playing a game, effectively. Right. Like, this is, like, pick up all your toys and make a fun story out of them. Exactly. And it almost gives the game away right away when it leans so much into this kid-like energy, like, this anarchic kid energy, where when you combine that with the fact that, like, yeah, we're leaning into the fact that these toys have been played with a lot. They have texture. They have, like, scratches. They have dust on them. Like, it teaches you everything you need to know without even saying a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. And then it moves into the sequence with Emmett. And that is perfect delivery because it's like, again, here's another set of social systems. Um, mm-hmm. in, in like the time it takes to sing the song, um, we learn everything about how this person's life works, um, how, the, how the world is organized, but also like we get some really, really important character information about this specifically that it is important to him to be following the system, but that he just naturally yeah. does not fit into it. And, like, there's this part, like... He's too generic. He's somehow, like, he's somehow shot the moon and become so perfectly rigid and, like, block-like that, he's gone that no one seems to notice him. But you know what I noticed was... what's I noticed some really interesting things watching this this time around. Um, after the song is over and, like... <laughs> um, it's like the end of the workday and everybody's like going to the pub or whatever they're doing to like eat their sausages. Chicken and, wings. And cr- I love chicken wings. Yeah. Who wants to get crazy? Don't tempt me to, yeah, don't tempt <laughs> me to quote this word for word. I swear to fucking God I can do it. Um, who wants to have croissants with this guy? I, God, I love croissants. <laughs> um, but like he, um, when he's like going to work, all the traffic is moving in these lines and his car is the only one that's like weaving in between them. And then oh, yeah. there's, like, at the end when all, everybody's, like, all of his coworkers are kind of, like, marching out 
to go to perfectly in sync and he does not he's kind of bouncing around in between them he never kind of fits into the symmetry anywhere right. and so I sort of um, love that de- I, I love little details like that of like oh yeah if you're looking carefully like you can see all of the answers I mean yeah again it's it's one of the secret strengths of Chris Miller and Phil Lord is like they are some of the most meticulous insanely attention to detail people working in this business particularly in their animation front like it's like it's insane how many jokes and how many like little storytelling beats they can fit in and it's the same way with Spider-Verse which obviously mm-hmm. they didn't direct but this is their specific directing front and I still I still think it's their masterpiece. Like, yeah. I don't think they'll ever make a film better than this. Right. Um, yeah, and, like, it's kind of incredible that they have two introductions. They have, like, the opening that sets up the stakes with the craggle, but then they also have this character introduction. And, again, it is insane how beautiful it is in terms of not just looking great, but also, again, teaching us the humor, getting us, like, getting our brains up to speed, because this movie is right. fast. It is joke on joke on joke. It, it is. literally is like Lego. It's the... It's literally like someone quickly assembling a Lego set and stacking brick on brick. Like, we have already, we're already like four belly laughs in before Emmett goes, step five, wear clothes, and then comes out of his house bare ass yellow naked and goes, whoop, almost forgot that one. <laughs> and then quickly transitions into him trying on like 17 different outfits that are all references to older Lego sets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's before we even get to the banger to end all bangers. Like, Again, it would be enough to do all of this, but then also to have a, like, perfect song to embody, like, dystopian conformity. Right. I just, it really, I, it's almost like, oh, God, I, I gotta lock in, because, like, I'm, I see myself riling up right now, Go and ahead. I gotta lock in so we have articulate discussion. But, like, yes, like I said, it's one of those moments where you're in the theater, and you're immediately like, what is, ha- is everyone seeing what I'm seeing right now? Mm-hmm. Like, is this happening? Like, are we seeing something, like, like genre defining are we seeing something that changes the game and like in a lot of ways it reminds me like i think i described it at the time as like it's like the ultimate culmination of that adventure time thing of like perfectly controlled anarchy where at any given time there are like 75 things on screen all different colors all different paces everything everywhere all at once happening Mm -hmm. and yet there's such a control of what's happening you know exactly where you need to be in the like eye line and where you need to be focusing right exactly um yes um where to next yeah (laughs) well okay 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 um well i also love that like and then pretty quickly and should we explain, like, what the twist of this movie is? Like, because this is effectively a retrospective, right? Like, mm-hmm. the movie, and a part of why I'm excited to talk about this movie is, we're quickly closing in. Next February will be its 10th anniversary. Oh, no way. Yep, it came out in 2014. That's it's almost awesome. 2024. Wow. Um, yes, but we've talked about play. We've talked about, like, the kid energy. And, yes, the kind of twist that they tip their hand at earlier in the film is this is a kid playing with all of these toys uh and we'll get to that section when we get to it but i just want to bring that up now because like this scene also does a great job of like tipping your hat to that because the way the characters are written perfectly balances like they're very kid-like yeah but they're a kid who's watched a lot of movies All all, all these characters are a child's understanding of adults or like or of different people and personality types 
Right. And, like, even, like, the Matrix-esque plot of, like, oh, there's a secret underground rebellion fighting against, like, the master dystopian overlord. Even, like, the president business, like, president business is going to destroy the world. But I love that guy. He owns so much cool stuff. Like, the Octane Corporation, history books, all voting machines. (laughs) Wait. Like, yeah, that's, like, a kid's understanding of narrative tension. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that... Like, it's kind of perfect that the Lego branding ended up at Warner Brothers because it does have that cartoon network. Like, it's what you described. It has that, like, film school stoner kid energy (laughs) of, like, oh, did a grown adult make this or did a child make this? And why is it well observed with regardless of what answer that is? Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, that's kind of a point that I wanted to make about why this film is so popular among adults. Um, Right. Because it's sort of written from an adult tone. (laughs) Right. It, it, it's written from an adult tone without feeling, like, too cool for the room. Exactly. No, that, oh my gosh, it's the opposite of whatever too cool is. And that is what makes it yeah. hilarious. It is a dweeby, childish film. Yeah. But in a, like, in the best way you could possibly imagine. Right. Like, like it, it's, it's extraordinary how well it balances that line. Because, like, the entire film's plot is a parody. It is a parody building, like, it's parody on parody in terms of, like, you know, Wild Style is literally just, like, a trinity from the Matrix mm-hmm. to the point when she's explaining, like, the whole evil plot. It literally just cuts to her going, blah, 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 yeah. blah, world-ending stuff. I'm this mad at important. you for some reason. And that should feel like the most, like, date, like, snarky, yeah. like, sort of lame, oh, we're smart writers. But no, it's smart because they're still sincere about right. it. Right. <laughs> Can we talk about, um, as we inch closer to this Mario movie, about how this film perfectly executes the idea of, like, a celebrity voice casting? Like, Yes. This is that done correctly. (laughs) This is how you cast, like, an A-list film and do it right. You cast people that want to be voice actors and not just read in their own voice. Yeah, it is, it is a, it's interesting because I've never been that aggro about, like, the celebrity voice casting of it all, because, like, you know, Pixar does that all the time. They're really good at finding, like, the B and B-plus people Mm -hmm. and being like, you fit this role, can you test for this role? Yeah, but at least they, at least they ask the question, do you fit this role? And so many films skip that part. Yeah. Like, there is not a miss on this entire voice cast. No. In terms of, like... Well, and even we're talking about, like, leading up to the Mario movie. Like, watching this again really did remind me, like, oh, yeah, this is why we loved Chris Pratt at the time. This right. is why Chris Pratt became, like, the biggest actor on the planet for a brief moment right. there. Like, because he just nails the energy perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, he, one, like, he somehow manages to understand what a generic Lego brick man would yes. sound like. right. Again, it just kills me every time the humor about, like, oh, yes, you are the most generic. It's some inexplicably connected to everything everywhere all at once where it's like, oh, you are the most base, mm-hmm. gen- like, basic version of this person right. in an infinite number of possibilities. Uh, like, I love multiple people do the bit where it's like, yeah, but when you look at them, you just go, like, and their faces freeze I into love their that generic part. pose. <laughs> And yeah. maybe one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, uh, President Business is getting, like, updated by his robot sec- uh, secretary, and it's like, sir, we've put out posters for him, but his face is so generic it matches everyone in our search uh, database. <laughs> and President Business just goes, diabolical. <laughs> um, yeah. Will Ferrell's great. This is, like, yeah. 
I'm surprised Will Ferrell isn't in more cartoons because this right. is the exact like his like his constantly being at a twelve and yet not energy just fits perfectly for a little Lego block. So this is why people like the movie Megamind so much. He's good at this. Yes. Like, where you're like, are you screaming right now? Or are you just talking at a normal volume for you? I can't tell. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like, and of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up um, Will Arnett as Batman, which I think for me, the fact that this movie, if you cut out Batman, everything would be fine. There's actually a lot of funny stories about, like, getting the rights to all these characters. Like, obviously, they had Batman. It's a Warner Brothers film. They have the rights to Batman. Uh, they briefly had to cut out all the Superman stuff because there was a really long-going lawsuit with the original creators of, action, like, Superman. Mm. And they almost just straight up lost the case. Like, he would not have been a DC character anymore, but we're not going to get into that. Um, and they managed to talk to Lucasfilm and get the rights to that brief Star Wars cameo, which I always forget and always cracks me up. That this is just... so amazing. Yes, and they also acknowledge in-universe how d- ridiculous it is. Right. Will screams, are you kidding me? The same bit! Um, <laughs> but but then they found out that Disney was about to buy Star Wars, so they had to quickly finish the contracts mm. before Disney could have any kind of right. say in it. But, yeah, like, you could cut Batman out, and it's still a great film, but then to do, like, kind of the perfect Batman, and rather the perfect parody of Batman, right. is just, you know, it's... You know, it's a hat on top of a hat. Yeah. In term, and again, it adds to the kid energy of it because it's like, yeah, this is what a kid growing up in the shadow of like the Dark Knight would think Batman is. Right. <laughs> like moody and angsty and loud and crappy and like cool? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of my, you know, this is the humor in this is what I sort of secretly hope that the Barbie movie will be, which is kind of like mm-hmm. the butt of the joke being that this entity is is everything everywhere all at once <laughs> um you know i hope that barbie movie lean, leans into her having like seventy thousand career paths in the right. same way that like um um what's what's it called what's it called cloud coca something cloud cuckoo nuts? cloud cuckoo land yes cloud cuckoo land um where there's like all these different things that they owned like the 2002 nba all-stars and that- um that gets me every time. Um, we, we might have to do a spinoff episode where we just keep rattling off jokes that exist in this yeah. movie and play it as it's just be like, here's a joke that exists in this movie you might have forgotten about. <laughs> I think my favorite bit, though, is the Superman Green Lantern bit. It's like, no way, we're roomies. <laughs> Which is hilarious, because again, this kid would have grown up in the specter of like the Green Lantern <laughs> movie and been like, oh, Green Lantern sucks. Everyone agrees he sucks. Right. And I'm like, no! <laughs> He's cool. He's a space, but like he's like a space guardian. Right. Oh my god. Um, yes, I love that. I love that it's Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, which is what they did for Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Um, I love. Yeah, and again, I love that they are like, yeah, no, this has to be maximalist. Every single Lego property that's ever existed mm-hmm. could theoretically be in this movie. Because I remember those, like, that brief era where they had Lego NBA guys, where they designed them with springs so you could flick them and take shots. Wow. And they would, or they would have, like, a setup where you could attach them to a harness and dunk. Wow. Like, you would turn a little knob and it would, like, reach up and go. Oh. Um, oh. God, I'm trying to remember some of them. I know Dirk was one. Shaq was one. I think Vince Carter was one. And uh, Jason Kidd, when he was still on the Nets, 
I'm trying to remember. There was so many. There was like 12 little guys. Wow. And then they had like the generic ones that just had like all-star uniforms. Right. Um, yeah, but like, again, that's the, every. it's everywhere all at once energy of like, yeah, there's literally a part where Vitruvius just starts listing off all the people who are at this meeting where it's like <laughs> Milhouse, Michelangelo, yeah. other Michelangelo, Dumbledore, <laughs> and Gandalf. Like, if you're not going to do that, what's the point of right. making a Lego movie? Exactly. It's, Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And, like, all of this on top of the fact that, like, we also get Liam Neeson in quietly one of his best roles. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? Is, yeah. The joke where he scribbles his... I love that they acknowledge the fact that some Legos have two different faces. Can, yeah. <laughs> that you can just twirl their heads around, and that's just a thing they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, if you put nail polish remover on a yeah, Lego, its face will melt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, who, who else? God, there's so many people in this movie. Um, um oh, Alison Brie as Unikitty. I think that's kind of amazing casting right there. Oh, and of course, Charlie Day as 1980-something space guy. Like, I like that right. they acknowledge all of those, like, generic era sets right. where it was, like, Lego castles, that. Lego space. Um, um, what about Nick Offerman? Um, is he the pirate? He's Metal Beard. Yeah. Which it's like, man, he does not. I'm so used to him having that one voice he does. Yeah. Again, a great voice great actor. Great casting, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and like coming back to like the front, I do think, like, again, seeing this movie on the, at the dawn of um, the Mario movie, I'm like, shoot, we might be about to hit a Chris Pratt renaissance mm. because he's going to follow up the Mario movie, which everyone has done a 180 on. Now we're all like, oh, it looks great. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, and we're all going to eat crow, uh, mm-hmm. and then Guardians 3 comes out. And, like, it, it's going to be interesting to see if we do, like, welcome him back into the fold, and, yeah, like, if we're know, all in on him again. You're right that this film made me miss those days of thinking he was great. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I don't know. It, it, and he's been prickly about the whole connection to his church, and I get that it's guilt by association yeah. somewhat, but it is a pretty bad thing to be associated with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is also funny that everyone assumed he was going to be the one to come out as an anti-vaxxer and then like three different Marvel actors and right. multiple DC actors. And like, he was the one who was like, at least he has the courtesy to keep his mouth shut for the most part. Yeah, right. Like, it really is incredible, like how good the action is in this movie too. Because mm. again, it looks like stop motion, but it isn't. To the point where there was a whole Mandela effect where people thought it was stop motion. Like people were debating when the trailers and stuff were coming out that it was stop motion. I didn't think it was exactly stop motion, but I couldn't help but feel like some element of that was used. I mean, I have to assume they did a lot of like reference tests right. to make it stop motion stuff. But yeah, I... I love the action scenes. They're the most, like, madcap. And again, it talks about what we were talking about last week with Hercules, where it's like, no, lean into the fact that you have cartoon logic in your action. Like, the fact that people's heads are getting spun completely around, Mm -hmm. or their, like, torsos are getting knocked off of their bodies. Or you can, like, take different Lego parts, quickly assemble them, and hit people with them. Right. Like, um... My personal favorite is when a bunch of pigs get thrown up into the oh air gosh, and then slam into, into the ground and turn sausage. into sausage. I saw that today. I love that. Um, oh, man. What else can we talk about with this movie? What are some of your other notes? I feel like you just have to guide me through this talk so I don't just go like we into Carter of, Land again. We might as well. I mean, 
because most of my notes were about like the design and like these characters Mm. I feel like we've kind of gone through everything that I wanted to talk about especially this opening scene let's just let's just cut to the end like let's talk about let's talk about the heart god all right I'm just going to preface this there have been multiple times where I've tried to describe this and I get choked up I will do my best to not get choked up so Emmett sacrifices himself. It's established that President Business's, like, sky tower is right over a giant wormhole into nothing. And pointedly, a giant wormhole that isn't made out of Legos, which, again, stands out because everything else in this universe is made out of Legos. So he sacrifices himself, falls down the pit, and suddenly he wakes up in the real world. Again, surprise, this is a kid telling a story with all of these Legos. And if they had just done that twist... That probably would have been enough. Yeah. Also, I do think it's funny because uh, people have pointed out the magic portal, which is that um, cease and desisted uh, Lego film I mentioned, <laughs> uh, that had a live action element. Like him as the creator shows up. Oh. Um, and it's funny because the little portal that Emmett uses to get back into Lego world yeah. is called magic portal, right, which I, I think is kind of that. a cute little nod. Um, it would have been enough to just do that and been like, oh, this is a kid playing. That explains, like, the tone and, like, all the references and sort of, like, the slight winking to the fourth wall but never quite acknowledging it. But then his dad comes downstairs and his dad is Will Ferrell. Mm -hmm. And it turns out his dad is one of those sort of guys who collects them for the sake of collecting them and really doesn't like when they're treated like toys. Right. And... Oh, there is so much to unpack on this, I don't even fully know where to start. But one, I love the tiniest stuff they do to give this away. Like, Lord Business goes on a whole tangent about participation trophies, like, for a minute, and being like, oh, I hate the idea of a special, because, like, you know, oh, you know, back in my day, no one got called special just because. Right. And, uh, And then, like, when you really notice all of the little details in terms of, like, Oh, yeah, so Cloud Cuckoo Land is literally a bunch of Legos in a box with a cloud on it, like some (laughs) cloud company. Like, little things like that, Mm -hmm. I think, just the ways they explain the different rules of the universe are really, really cool. The fact that everything is on its own separate table, and that's why there's, like, borders between the universes. Um, Which one's your favorite universe? Mine is the Old West. Yeah, I love, I just, I love they go into that saloon, and it's just the perfect Lego saloon where everyone's hitting each other with chairs and throwing tomahawks at each other. And, like, the Native American chieftain who's yellow to sidestep, like, the problematicness Mm -hmm. of it. Um, The fact that, oh, and then when they're like, you have to go in there and just act like a cowboy. Out of there, partner! I, you know what? This is my fault. I should have given you stricter rules. Um, Yes, but anyway, so all of this builds up to eventually little Emmett, uh, somehow becomes semi-sentient in the real world. Like, he kind of moves around enough to get the attention of the kid again. Right. The, the kid brings him back in. There's the final confrontation with Lord Business and Emmett, and we keep cutting back to live action, and Will Ferrell kind of takes stock of all this stuff his kid has made. Right. And is like, you built all this? And then, you know, the kid explains, like, what the whole story is. Like, they got to stop President Business from using the craggle. And he realizes, oh, this Lego looks exactly like me. Yeah. And the line that blow destroys me every single time is, 
If the little construction guy could say one last thing to President Business, what would he say? And then we cut straight from the kid to Emmett, just, you know, going on the speech about Mm -hmm. you don't have to be the bad guy. The prophecy was made up, but we can all be special and we can all do incredible things. And then, like, and they've already shown in the background, like, look at all the incredible things people have made. And they're literally, like, fan-submitted films, like stop-motion films. And we keep cutting back to... You know, we keep cutting back to Will Ferrell and the kid, but pointedly, you never see their mouse move. They cut away from who's ever talking. Right. And then it ends with Will Ferrell hugging his kid, and then we cut back to Emmett hugging President Business. And I just, I fucking lose <laughs> it at that part. Because again, it, 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 like, you know, this film was like joke on joke on joke on joke on joke. And somehow manages to pull it all together into a honestly sincere, thoughtful rumination on, like, playing right. and childhood and how we use stories to tell our story. Mm-hmm. And it ends on a, you know, one of those makes-you-cry endings that I would argue rivals anything Pixar has ever done, if I'm being candid. I would agree, um, honestly. And then... At this triumphant moment where, like, everyone is one, peace has been brought, yeah. Will Ferrell goes, you know what the best part about all this is? You know who else gets to play down here, too? Your little sister. What? And the music just <laughs> completely cuts. <laughs> and then Emmett has the line, man, things sure had a way of working out in the end, don't they? And then suddenly, oh a alien ship comes down and a bunch of Duplo creatures go, we are from the planet Duplo, and we are here to destroy you. The fact that they can somehow hit you with the knuckle sandwich after right. breaking your heart, it's like, that is <laughs> that is a masterclass in writing. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. how you set up this cathartic, intense emotional payoff, but then somehow manage to whip the tone back to slapstick screwball exactly. nonsense. Oh my gosh. I just... That, like, transcend, like, it's one of those films where it's, like, once you see where all the pieces are, like, once you see, like, all of the careful planning, all of the meticulous, thoughtful setup and payoff they've done, and once you get to that, like, final moment where the final domino falls right. and everything, once the picture nice becomes vulnerable. clear, you're just, like, yeah, you're just... You feel like you're transcend. Like you feel like you've seen something you've never seen before. Exactly. You're like, is this a new color? Like, am I transcending? Very few films in my life have been able to do that. Like, maybe like five. And <laughs> the fact that it's something about I care about a lot yeah. with like Legos, and it covers a lot of topics I love in terms of like how we play, why we play. Right. You know, the existence of like toys and brands and like adventure in general. Mm-hmm. Just. What a special movie. It really is. Yeah. Um, do you have any other assorted... Well, I'm sorry. You didn't get to say anything on the ending. I just completely went I into... Again, I kind of disassociate when I go into Carterland. I, that's why I let you do it. Um, do we want to briefly touch on, like... Do we have anything to comment about Lego Batman? The movie? Um, well, I was trying to think of any final points I could make um, about this movie before we... Because I did want to talk about the sequels and just kind of the Lego... Legacy of all of the Lego stuff in general. Um, well, I was just going to say... I, for me, and talking about all this, kind of my wrap-up thought about this movie is... Chris Miller and Phil Lord succeed because they feel like film school kids. Like, they feel right. like 
a bunch of kids broke into the theater, put in their fan film, and then barricaded the door so no one could stop them. Mm -hmm. Like, their films are so weird and, like, off the wall and, like, so antithetical to, like, what children's entertainment had been framed as for decades. Right. That, like, despite having now, like, uh, almost two decades of proven success in Hollywood, like, it feels like they're still getting away with something. Right. It still feels like they're pulling off a trick. Right, right. Um, yeah, so this movie was huge. Like, and, like, the build-up to it, people were expecting it to be, like, a pretty big moneymaker. Right. But even by that standard, it blew up. I think its final box office was somewhere around, like, almost $500 million. It almost made half wow. a billion dollars in a pretty contentious year. Uh, it was a genuine... Awards. It won a lot of, like... I think it won a lot of Annie's. I would have to go through its individual successes. But it mostly its accolades are remembered for... Um, it was nominated for six Annie Awards. I think it only won one. Mm. It was mostly... It got on a lot of hot water because it wasn't nominated for Best Animated Film. Mm. Mm. Um, I can quickly rattle off, because I have the page up now. Um, the nominees were Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, which is like a forgotten film, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and Tale of Princess Kaguya. And Big Hero 6 won. I think it's better than at least two of those, but it yeah. is, I will begrudgingly admit, a pretty contentious year. Yeah. If I wasn't going to give it to Lego Movie, I probably would have given it to Princess Kaguya because it was Takahata's, like, last masterwork. Um, Takahata being the... He's the guy at Studio Ghibli I've described as not Hayao Miyazaki. Okay. The ones that aren't made by him are usually made by Takahata, gotcha. but he has since uh, passed away. Okay. It was also nominated for Best Song, and it lost to that song from Selma. Oh, Honestly, I do remember that. The best picture pull this year kind of stinks. Birdman won, and I'm just not a fan of that movie. Uh, American Sniper, which is kind of a poop sandwich. Mm -hmm. Boyhood, which I loathe. And that became a meme that year in high school when we were friends that I famously did not like that movie. Mm -hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel, which I actually think is Wes Anderson's best film. Uh, uh, Selma, which I think is great, but I also... Does that fall under your camp of, like, could we just have movies about black people that aren't about horrific things? Um, um, can we do both? Like, this, this one, Selma, is a, is a film that I can accept. But also we should just have films about black people living normal lives and being fine and not succumbing to violence. Right. Uh, the Theory of Everything, which is just, like, a sort of dense fart. That's the Stephen Hawking biopic where it's like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and Whiplash, which I want to like, but, like, I don't know. That film's a mess. I, have you, do you remember Whiplash? That was the drum one. No. J.K. Simmons just, is, like, the abusive drum teacher. Oh, no. Are you just reading off Best Picture nominations for the year 2014? Yes. My point was, Lego Movie could have okay. easily gone in this group. I was group. like, sorry, like, why are we doing the, this? Like, it eats, like, five of these movies Okay, lunch. I got you. Okay. But anyway, yes, yeah, so... Yeah, so then it becomes a viable franchise. Uh, pretty shortly after, they follow with Lego Batman. How do you feel about Lego Batman? I was bored with it um, in the theater, but I also was, like, sangria drunk and falling asleep. So I we can truly blame all of this on on this theater deciding to opening, deciding to open a bar randomly. Yes. This is their fault. Um, I But I never gave it a second chance. I literally haven't seen it since. Um, and I remember thinking the jokes were funny, but I remember just being mm. bored. Yeah, I... It's kind of, like, 
I would describe why I like it the same way I love um, this movie in terms of like, it takes the obvious joke, but does it so confidently and so proudly that you can't help but love it. Like for example, and they go with the most maximalist approach. So they make a joke about the bat nipples and it's literally like Alfred is listing off all the different years Batman movies came out and it just cuts to like 1998 and it's literally just George Clooney's pecs in the nipples. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, you took it the most lazy, obvious joke and made it funny. That is actual skill. And again, I just like that it's a movie that acknowledges like Batman has somehow become not for kids because the whole thing is he gets sucked into the Phantom Zone where all the villains are. And the little computer that runs the place is like, well, you don't look like a hero to me. And I'm like, thank you. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, that same year, Lego Ninjago came out. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I'm going to admit that's the one Lego movie I haven't watched all the what way through. What is that? Ninjago is like, is, I thought it that, falls into... I thought that was like a Nickelodeon thing. Um, well, it was a show, I think it was on Nickel. was it on Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? It was on one of them. Oh. But, so, like, Ninjago is one of those, like, big, like, o- like, OC creations, like Bionicle, where it's, like, this is one of Lego's brands that became successful that's, like, completely original concept. It's, like, right. sort of, like, So this has nothing to do with school. the Lego movie. Uh, no, this one has literally nothing to do. Okay. You see the green ninja from Ninjago a couple times, but like it's wholly its own movie. Um, it is another movie about like has it has live action elements and it has like the Lego elements, but it's basically its own universe. It's not connected to the kid from this movie okay. from the Lego movie at all. It's mostly it just has one really great bit that I love, um, where one of the ninjas to try and defeat the evil bad guy steals a laser pointer from this like forbidden temple. And inadvertently summons a cat. And by that, I should stress, a live-action cat enters the frame and starts destroying everything. Oh. Um, And that ends up becoming the central antagonist in the movie. And I'm like, I really wish this movie was... Like, I really wish I was more motivated to watch this movie. Right. Because that is genius. (laughs) Yeah, I know nothing Um, about that movie. Yeah, that movie got really bad reviews. And that's the one that kind of (laughs) sealed the fate. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had Jackie Chan in it. I literally remember nothing. Both live action and animated. Um, but yes, it uh, it was kind of the one that killed the golden goose. Because by mm. the time we get to the Lego movie second part, people are kind of just done with this, yeah. unfortunately. Like, it made money, but like it paled in comparison. It only made like $200 million. It made like oh, half wow. of what the first one made. And I would argue, I don't... Th- what do you think about the Lego movie, the second part? I don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean the Lego that movie? That was the sequel. We saw it together. Are you talking about Lego, Lego Movie Batman? 2? No, Lego Movie 2. Um, was Maya Rudolph in that? Yes. My the twist is okay. their mom is Maya Rudolph, which is actually is somehow funnier than Wolf That's funny. Yeah. I obviously have minimal memories of this. Is this was Tiffany Haddish in this? She, yeah, like she was like the thing. sort of villain. Yeah. Yes, she was a collection of Lego blocks that could like shape shift. Okay, gotcha. So clearly, I don't remember very much, which means I probably wasn't that attached to it. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I was trying to sell you hard on it. Where I remember being someone... excited to see it, and I yeah. do remember going to see it, but I have erased it from my brain, seemingly. So, yeah. Yeah, I would... Here's what I'll say about the movie. It is... It kind of reminds me of a discussion that someone had about The Godfather versus Godfather 1, 
which I realize I'm comparing the Lego movie to Godfather, but hey, stop being snobs about movies. That's New fine. movies can be good too. Yeah. Um, I say that as someone who's seen the Godfather like 7,000 times. Yeah. Because um, the Lego movie, or the second Lego movie has to, like, because the cat's out of the bag. You know the twist. It, it, it's like kids playing. And somehow it just says, okay, well, you know that? We're not going to try to put the cat back in the box. We're going to lean into the cat. We're going to acknowledge the cat. So, like, it's pretty blunt about, like, oh, this is a brother fighting with his sister for control of all of these right. toys. And the ways it plays with the meta-ness of that is really, really fun. Mm. Um, like, instead of the man upstairs, it's, you know, we can't incur the wrath of a, our mom again. Which I love to acknowledge, like, God, that's a really greasy, sweaty pun. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wild Style at one point goes, our mom, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Like, I love that it, yeah, it, it plays in, like, more tricky thematic elements. It has a lot more, like, it has a lot more big ideas. It's a lot more ambitious in terms of, like, juggling the real world stuff with the kids, with the toy stuff and, like, what that means. Mm -hmm. But the Lego movie is just such a purely, like, it's such a perfect realization of everything. It is so clear and focused and, right. like, crisp where not, like, there's not an ounce of fat on that thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just more iconic. Like, it's a testament to how many great jokes are in this movie that we didn't even acknowledge the spaceship bit, right. which was one of my favorite th in theater moments where everyone was just losing <laughs> it at this payoff of this stupid little generic spaceman getting to make his spaceship and screaming <laughs> that everyone just like, right. you know, was cracking up. I wish I had more to contribute to this part of the conversation, but I don't remember anything from the second to the sequel to this. Yeah, and I don't know. On one hand, I'm like, we kind of got the perfect film right off the bat. Yeah. I kind of would be fine if there was never a Lego thing ever again. Honestly, yeah. But at, the same but at the same time, I'm just like, but man, wouldn't it be nice if we could hit that home run again? Um, so Warner Brothers did end up letting the rights lapse because they were like, ugh, we kind of burned this out. People aren't yeah. interested anymore. I will say they really screwed. Like... Well, that's the problem with Warner Brothers. They get good brands, and then they drive them into the ground. Why doesn't... Like... We, t we talk about this privately all the time. Why does Warner Brothers not know what the hell they're doing? Uh, because AT&T bought them, and AT&T exclusively saw it as a means to make a streaming service. Oh. HBO Max was exclusively AT&T being like, we deserve a streaming service, damn it. And I'm like, can you not be content having a borderline monopoly... Like, can you not be content that you and, like, five other companies have a pseudo-monopoly over telecommunication? Yeah. Like, do you have to invade my space, too? You ghouls. Yeah, because if, yeah. if anything, the Lego movie is proof that that Warner Brothers can, like, happily own everything and make them all work at the same time and make people, like, appreciate, hey, everything is here. Everything we love is here in one place. I love this. Yeah. It truly is, like, the difference between Warner Brothers and Disney, because Disney can make that work, right. and they can succeed for decades. Like, they're only starting to have problems now, and that's graded on the curve of, like, well, a global plague happened. Um, and Warner Brothers just... The one that always gets me is the fact that they released... They released, um, what's it called? Detective Pikachu. It was Endgame came out... I think... God, they didn't come out the same month, did they? That would be suicidal. I don't oh my god, they came out the same month. Did they? They oh. both came out in May. And it's like, okay, so your first live-action Pokemon movie theoretically should be really, really successful. You release it the same month as Endgame, where the discussion going into Endgame was not, will it make $2 billion? It will be, will it be enough to pass Avatar? What the yeah. hell? Why? What were you thinking? Of course it was going to get its lunch eaten. Right. 
Um, yeah, and so the rights lapse, currently Universal owns them, and they have said they are going to make movies, but there's been very little on that front for a while. Hmm. And again, I just go back and forth. I'm like, do I want more of this, or was just getting that one perfect like run enough for me? I feel like I'd be happy watching this movie over and over again for the rest of my life than having any other iterations of it. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I mean, you're probably right. Because I will say, it's like I said at the beginning of this episode, I was so worried where I was like, it's been so long since I watched this. Is it going to hit the same way? Was it just the right place, the right time? Is it going to feel dated? Is it going to feel tired? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, no. Again, it, it like it falls under that same camp as like, I'm trying to think of what other movies even did this for me. But like, even like, it's, it's like that spirited away effect where it's just like, you kind of just like, it, the movie just kind of like, completely wins you over in the first couple seconds and then you're just like on cloud nine the entire time right like it feels like you're seeing something that shouldn't exist right uh do you have any other finding thoughts before we close up no i think i've hit all my points um i think i truly have nothing intelligent to add at this point i'll I mean, I could, like, grandstand and speechify this movie until the cows come home. All I have to say left is I'm very grateful to the patrons knowing how much this would mean to me to get to talk about this movie. Right. It is truly a top three movie all time for me. Uh, We need to, you know, I was thinking, it was like, I feel like we at the Disney Desk have a list of films that are, like, that are our, like, all time favorite movies, and I feel like this could be added to it. Like... Princess and the Frog, this is in our Hercules, canon. this. Yeah. If we do an episode that's more than an hour long on an individual film, it's probably getting put in the canon. Yeah. Someday we will make an actual canon and we'll put it somewhere. And by that I mean C-A-O-N, not right. like a pirate canon. But oh. like we'll have like the pantheon where we put like our precious movies. We should also look into canons. Well, yeah. I mean, once we start raking the... You know, once we start raking yeah. the big bucks, you got to protect it. Like, right. you know, we can only rely on Congress for so much. Exactly. You know, they're protecting us for the most part, but you can never be but, too careful. Yeah, there's always use for a cannon. But yes, it's it truly is one of, I truly think it is one of the most special animated films that ever existed. Agreed. I think history will remember it as like a sort of like culmination moment for a lot of like what's great about 2010's art in mm-hmm. terms of like a return to sincerity right. and embracement of anarchy or uh, embracement of like meta but loving and like creative everything that's good about legos can be found in this movie and for seven-year-old me for 14-year-old me for 24-year-old me and still 27-year-old me that means a lot here here but until the day we have our own little collectible minifigures that you can buy in those little gotcha packets with random characters. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And those were the tunes. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.